Entertainment Podcast, coming to you from YouTube, iTunes, Facebook, Spreaker, SoundCloud. You can follow me at, on Twitter at the Brad Whitaker. I'm Brad Whitaker or Bradley Whitaker, if you prefer, prefer the formal name. Uh, I don't know why I said that. The Dallas Cowboys have their starting quarterback of the future, Tony Romo, is on the way out, folks. Last night, he gave the press conference we've all been anxiously awaiting to see. Tony Romo finally gave his concession speech. He lost the election to Donald Trump. Okay, that's not it, but that's what it looked like. Had Hillary... Given the speech Tony Romo gave yesterday, we would have been all been like, yeah, that was a good concession speech. Not saying Hillary didn't give a good concession speech, because I, I thought she did. Tony Romo's was better, though. Much better. Uh, and we also pretty much know that Tony Romo will not be back as the starting quarterback next season. Uh, I think he struck the right tone in that speech. You know, if, if Romo had been quarterback for a team like New England, let's just say it were Tom Brady being replaced by Jimmy Garoppolo. If he were in the same situation, that speech yesterday wouldn't have struck the right tone, I don't think. For an organization like the Patriots, they just hush-hushed to the media's concern. But for the Dallas Cowboys, they've been taking the media's bait ever since that's been an organization. In fact... Jerry Jones throws bait out to the media, and they throw it back. So for Tony Romo to actually take the time to write a speech and to read it off to the media that was honest about what was going on in his head, how his mental processes have been the last ten weeks, how he's accepted his role as a backup, and although he didn't say this directly, how he's accepted that he has to move on to another team at this portion of his career. Roma did a good job. Again, if this were a different team, I don't think that would have been a great speech. He's gotten a little bit of criticism for it. Some people said it didn't come across as authentic because he wrote it down, which is an interesting strategy. A strategy I've decided to employ on this podcast simply out of laziness, but Millennials prefer authenticity. They prefer you don't go off of notes or a speech. Nobody wants to hear speeches. Donald Trump was elected because he chooses not to use a teleprompter, for the most part. Okay, that's that might not be the reason he was elected, but I think it says a lot about how people value authenticity. But I thought for Romo to say what he needed to say, he needed to write it down. He needed to tell the narrative properly because had he taken the media's questions yesterday it's clear this this is something that's still getting to his head definitely and it's going to get to his head for a long time because the Tony Romo's been with that organization his entire career and they haven't always had that infrastructure that they pretty much built around him he didn't always have a great offensive line he didn't get to hand the ball off to Ezekiel Elliott, who was drafted in the first round. He didn't have that defense. That's in a young, improving defense that Dallas has. There's a lot of concerns with them, but they certainly are a Super Bowl contender. 
with Dak Prescott, probably with Tony Romo, too. But it makes sense. For the Cowboys, they got a younger quarterback who actually fits the system better. He's not primarily a mobile quarterback, but if Dak Prescott needs to scramble, he does it, and he protects himself while he does it. You know, for the Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott's a game-changer, and they need to change, completely change that team around a little bit more. They can be, they can optimize that team even more. First step, this offseason, trade Tony Romo. There's teams like Arizona, New York Jets, potentially Miami, although they're playing better right now. Hell, the Cleveland Browns, they got a good offensive line. There's teams the Cowboys could trade Romo to where he could have the protection and maybe not quite as good as Dallas, but he can almost start off from where he was uh, heading into this season on a contending team. But after you trade Romo, trade Des Bryant. Bryant, maybe in the same deal. Bryant is a receiver that's benefited greatly from the kind of quarterback that Tony Romo is. Bryant beats corners and safeties. He's tall. He has good hands. He capitalizes on big plays. And that's part of what makes Tony Romo a great quarterback. He makes big plays. He throws it 20, 30 yards down the field. While Des Bryant is still an effective receiver with Dak Prescott, Prescott is more of a 5, 10, 15-yard quarterback. He, he throws the short, safe, conservative throws, hits the safety outlet often, has great protection, has great time, but he still gets rid of the football quickly. Des Bryant isn't a great fit for that kind of an offense. So trade both players. Get some first, second, third-round picks. Upgrade that defense. Maybe trade for a linebacker. Strengthen the defensive backs. Cowboys should improve that pass rush, which is solid, but certainly needs to get better. But it was good to see Tony Romo accept that this is the this is where the organization is at. And I'm happy to see that Jerry Jones didn't get in the way. I'm happy to see that he's let that organization develop over the last five to six years into a group that has the best O-line unit in the league. Romo handled it well, and it's a good it's a good football team. He'll probably get to play for a contender next year. This isn't the end of Tony Romo. However, this is probably, unless Dak Prescott gets hurt, the end of Romo's time in Dallas. As I mentioned in the last segment, I have no notes for this podcast, so I apologize if it's absolute shit. But again, millennials, they value authenticity. So, you speak entirely off the cuff, that's how you succeed nowadays, apparently. Nobody cares if anything coming out of your mouth is right, you just have to sound like you believe in what you're saying. But while I was going on my rant about the Dallas Cowboys, I was... Getting ready for this second portion, talking about the NBA, uh, I looked up the 
league leaders in points right now in the NBA. And I, I'm just going to list the players in the top five, and then I'll list the teams they play for. We all know who they play for, but tell me where you think these teams are going to finish. All right, first, league leader in points, averaging 34 points per game. Breakout season, in my opinion, DeMar DeRozan. He's leading the lead in points right now with the Toronto Raptors. You got Russell Westbrook at number two. Damian Lillard is number three. Anthony Davis is number four. James Harden, number five. So what are those teams? Toronto Raptors, DeRozan, OKC Thunder, Westbrook, Portland Trailblazers, Lillard, Pelicans, Anthony Davis, and Houston Rockets, James Harden, number five. How many of those teams are going to make it to the playoffs? How many of those teams are going to make it to the conference semifinals? How many of those teams are going to make it to the conference finals? In my opinion, the only team there that has a shot at the conference finals is the Toronto Raptors and DeMar DeRozan. That's because they're still in what is a weak Eastern Conference. There's There could be some new challengers this year. Atlanta Hawks. Uh, look reinvigorated. Uh, Charlotte Hornets, Chicago Bulls could be something. There's a lot of different threats in the Eastern Conference, but the Toronto Raptors have probably a decent shot at making the conference finals, just as they did last year against Cleveland. But other than that, Russell Westbrook, the Thunder, Damian Lillard, the Trailblazers, Anthony Davis, the Pelicans, James Harden, the Rockets. None of those teams are going to make it far in the playoffs. Trailblazers might put up a fight. They always seem to. But what we're seeing, teams that have top-scoring leaders like Westbrook and James Harden, who are going head-to-head tonight, by the way, they don't have other pieces. They depend on these guys to provide offensive production. And they lose things on the defensive end. Don't even get me going on James Harden. But the Oklahoma City Thunder, Russell Westbrook's getting all the headlines right now. You know what's not getting the headlines? The fact the Thunder have lost four games in a row. Also, James Harden is first in the league in turnovers. Russell Westbrook, third. Second is John Wall, similar kind of player. Not only are these players that hurt teams defensively, they aren't disciplined with the basketball. They dribble out 18 of the 24 seconds of the shot clock. Look, Anthony Davis doesn't have pieces around him. DeMar DeRozan, maybe even Lillard, they deserve the benefit of the doubt, I guess. But Harden, Westbrook... These are guys that can hurt the team more than they help them. The Thunder got off to a decent start record-wise, but they barely beat a lot of bad teams. I don't think they're a playoff team this year. They can't shoot. Westbrook's a ball hog. I'm sorry, I'm just going to say it. And you see it with Kevin Durant this year. He's taking a lot less shots, but his shooting percentage is way up. Because he actually has time on the shot clock. The Warriors spread the ball around. 
I'm not taking anything away from what other players on the Thunder can do. They're a physical team. They're physical down low. Steven Adams is great. Maybe I'm not sure if he deserves the contract he just recently got. But they're a fun physical team. Not going to make it far in the Western Conference. Who is going to make it far in the Western Conference this year? Well, the Golden State Warriors. You know the San Antonio Spurs will be in the running. But the team with the best record right now? The Los Angeles Clippers. 10-1. and one. You know who deserves more credit? Chris Paul. You know, they were under the radar heading into the season. They got a lot of veterans. Doc Rivers likes to have mature players on his team. He doesn't want to deal... He, he, he had to deal with Rajon Rondo all those years. He doesn't want to deal with that anymore. But a lot of that leadership isn't just Rivers. It's Chris Paul. That's the point guard you want leading your team. You don't want a point guard or a shooting guard, a one or a two, that spends most of their time dribbling, turns the ball over just because they're, they need to rush to get a shot off before the shot clock is up. You need team players in the NBA. And I really hope James Harden or Russell Westbrook don't win the MVP because the most valuable players in the NBA right now are LeBron James, Kevin Durant, maybe Anthony Davis. He needs some pieces around him, but I don't know. Those are the most valuable players. Kyrie Irving, he should be in the running. I mean, he could he could win the MVP this year. LeBron wants him to take the role as the go-to guy offensively. LeBron wants to throw a lot of passes. He wants to be a point guard for that team, even if he's not always playing the point guard role. He brings the ball up court often. But Chris Paul deserves more credit. There's lots of great players that don't get enough credit because Russell Westbrook and James Harden are fun, yet they turn the ball over. We we need to see what happens at the end of this year because it's not... <laughs> The Houston Rockets and the Oklahoma City Thunder, they have the two top two MVP candidates, according to the media. I'd be surprised if both teams even made the playoffs. It's time to reassess who the most valuable players in the NBA actually are. that we're listening to right now. This is the kind of music they play at frat parties nowadays. We have come a long way from Little Richard. And that is not a good thing. Basically, what fraternities are now are just small clubs with free booze. Which sounds great to some, but... I'm sorry, toga parties are a thing of the past, and... You know, I didn't when I was in college, I didn't get to go to toga parties. As an undergrad, I didn't I didn't get to go to toga parties. They seemed like a lot of fun. There might have been some toga parties on my campus. I could be wrong, but uh 
that kind of frat club music, that's what people like nowadays. That's what they play at fraternities. It's not the same thing. Okay, I went off on a little tangent there, but UFC 205 is over. Conor McGregor put on an amazing show. I thought Eddie Alvarez would be a tough matchup for him. Clearly, I was wrong. Conor never ceases to amaze me. And as he said after the fight, you need someone that's going to have a physical advantage if you're going to beat him. So all the talk this week, and this tends to happen after every Conor McGregor fight, or after every Conor McGregor win, the Floyd Mayweather rumors start circulating. But, I always thought they were silly up until right now. Conor McGregor, I don't know how much money he made on his last fight at UFC 205, He'll probably make a good chunk of change compared to what he made in his second fight against Nate Diaz, which was only $3 million. $3 million is a lot of money, don't get me wrong. But for a guy who has driven as many eyes to the UFC as Conor McGregor has, he probably deserves a much larger paycheck. And the thing, UFC is taking over combat sports. Boxing is dying. It just is. I don't think people really care about professional wrestling anymore because they value authenticity, as I've been talking about. Again, no notes on this podcast. All authenticity here. Also, I was too lazy to make notes, and I was doing some schoolwork before this. But, no notes, all authenticity here at the Sideline Distant. That's why the UFC is successful. Authenticity. But, boxing still has an advantage with their fighters... Because Floyd Mayweather can make $100 million in a night. $100 million. And that's what Conor McGregor wants if he is going to fight Floyd Mayweather in a boxing match. That makes all the sense in the world. He has a kid coming. He wants some financial security. I don't know how much longer Conor is going to stay in the UFC. I hope he goes up and fights Tyrone Woodley. I would love to see him get all three belts and then retire. Personally, I want to see him fight Khabib. I think that'd be just be a great fight, and I think Khabib might be a better fighter as a mixed martial artist. But for the first time, I don't think this Conor McGregor-Floyd Mayweather thing is a silly gimmick. I think Floyd would be crazy to do it, but I think Conor can do it, not only because he might be able... I don't think he's going to get $100 million like he wants, but he might be able to negotiate $40, $50 million out of it. They're going to get pay-per-view numbers for a boxing match between Floyd Mayweather and a Conor McGregor that they've never seen before. It'll be boxing's last hoorah. But not only that, I think Conor can win. I can't believe I'm saying that. I think Conor McGregor can win in a boxing match against Floyd Mayweather. And only part of that has to do with Floyd Mayweather's age. Floyd is 39. He's going to turn 40 in late February. I would imagine if this fight were to happen, it would be either the week before the Super Bowl or some of the following weeks after. So he's going to be either 40 years old or just about 40 years old heading into that fight against Conor McGregor, who... How old is Conor? I'm looking this up as we speak. I think Conor, he's what, 28? Yeah, he's 28 years old. Birthday is until July, so 28-year-old going against a 40-year-old, age may play a factor. But I don't think Floyd Mayweather has ever 
gone up against a fighter that punches like Connor does. Because boxing and look, I'm I'm not an expert in combat sports, so this could all be total BS, but I think there's a lot of rhythm in boxing. It's a lot of bouncing around, using the kinetic energy from your body to get jabs and you know, Floyd Mayweather's a tactician, he spends most of his energy dodging punches, and that's what makes him such a great fighter. But Conor McGregor, there isn't any rhythm to his fighting, and that's what makes him so deadly, is because he isn't bouncing around, he just kind of stands on his toes, he stands on the balls of his feet, keeps his legs apart, because he's a lanky guy, he's he's a tall guy for his weight, he's got a huge reach, you don't see his punches coming. You can't time them. Floyd Mayweather has made a career by being able to predict and time when fighters are punching. What I saw with Eddie Alvarez and Conor McGregor last Saturday was Eddie was fighting like a boxer, bouncing around. You could time when he was going to throw his punches. Conor was almost perfectly still. Yet when he punched, you didn't see it coming. Now, of course, if Connor fights Mayweather, he's not going to be able to do those leg kicks. That's part of the reason why Connor's been so great, is he he constantly goes to those quick leg kicks that sort of wear down his opponents, and then he's able to win in the second or third round. He won't have those kicks anymore, but... Can Floyd... What it would be 10 to 15 rounds Could Floyd handle The unpredictability of Conor's punches If Floyd Mayweather is in a matchup Against Conor McGregor He needs to knock him out Now Conor isn't the greatest endurance fighter But he's getting better He went into that fight against Eddie Alvarez Knowing it could go 5 rounds He looked ready to go 5 rounds against Eddie He looked more ready to go five rounds than he did a glass fight against Nate. Because I think he learned a lesson from his first fight against Nate that Connor needs to put on a lot of running, a lot of miles, a lot of endurance to be able to last in the octagon. Now, do I think he can go ten rounds against Mayweather? I'm not sure. But Mayweather is going to need to knock him out. Because at some point, Floyd might get caught. And he's very rarely been caught by a punch in his entire career. I'm not saying Connor would win that fight, but I think he might win. Alright, I think he might. I don't see... I think Floyd should run the hell away from this idea. But it's... It would be a huge paycheck. A paycheck Connor would never get in the UFC. So the UFC should be concerned. Connor wants a stake in the company. He wants part ownership. That's what it looks like he wants because, let's face it, how what percentage of pay-per-view sales last Saturday were driven by Connor McGregor? 75%? 80%? He gets $5 million from that fight. That's ridiculous. He deserves more than that. 
So the UFC should be scared about this fight with Floyd. Because whether or not Conor wins or loses, he's going to get a much larger chunk of change than he would have ever received in the UFC, and then he could retire. So far as the UFC, you have to give Conor all the preferential treatment in the world because you don't want to lose him. You don't want him to retire right away. And God, if he goes in and beats Floyd, who knows what the hell happens there. Okay, that's it for today's podcast. Uh, I did, I'm glad I didn't talk about LeBron James and the word posse. Oh, God. Political correctness. If you haven't had the chance, check out my podcast from yesterday. I, I can't believe the media outrage over this Phil Jackson story. It was one little quote in a much larger feature piece. And it got blown up, and now Phil Jackson is being called a racist. Maybe Phil Jackson's a racist, but I don't think he is. I really don't. Okay, so that's it for this podcast. Hopefully I'll be back tomorrow. Uh, Goodbye, everyone.